What if the past had turned out differently? The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. I was told that playing in Green Bay was not an option. With the 24th selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, California. I do not assume to be one's equal in regard to personnel matters. He's the best. I am, however, one's equal in regard to my passion for the Packers. And Mikowski appears hurt. Oh, uh, Mikowski's in great pain, Ahmad. And reliable sources now tell CBS Sports that Parcells is very close to accepting a Green Bay Packers offer. Several months ago when I accepted this responsibility, I mentioned that I was humbled by it, but not awed. Gentlemen, let me introduce to you the new head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Phil Bankston. What would the past look like? What would the future look like if? With one game to play in the 1988 NFL season, the Green Bay Packers found themselves in a position to clinch something they hadn't had in 30 years, the first pick in the NFL draft. The Packers had struggled to a 3-12 record under first-year head coach Lindy Infante and second-year quarterback Don Makowski. When they took the field in Phoenix on Sunday, December 18, 1988, to take on the 7-8 Cardinals, the Packers controlled their own destiny for the first pick in the draft until the unthinkable happened. They won. Green Bay's win, combined with Dallas's earlier loss, gave the Cowboys the rights to the first pick in the 1989 draft. The Packers would pick second after winning a strength of schedule tiebreaker with the 4-12 Lions. Detroit would pick third. Although Packer Nation was disappointed to no longer be able to select the consensus top prospect in the draft, UCLA quarterback Troy Aikman, they would still get a high pick in one of the most talented draft classes in years. In fact, of the five players selected at the top of the 1989 draft, four would go on to be Pro Football Hall of Famers. The other would be the Packers' selection, Michigan State offensive tackle Tony Mandridge. Mandridge was labeled as a sure thing by nearly all scouts and media. Sports Illustrated went as far as to call him the greatest offensive line prospect in NFL history, but it was not to be. Holdouts, attitude problems, substance abuse, injuries, and illness destroyed his career. Mandridge only started 31 games and appeared in few others during his five years with the organization. To make matters worse, Troy Aikman would win three Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys in the 1990s. Barry Sanders would rush for over 15,000 yards and would have become the NFL's all-time leading rusher had he not retired on his own terms at age 30. Linebacker Derek Thomas would go to nine Pro Bowls in 11 years for the Kansas City Chiefs. And cornerback Deion Sanders would electrify for over a decade and score more non-offensive touchdowns than any player in league history. But what if Week 16 of the 1988 season had played out differently? What if the Packers hadn't won? What if the Cowboys had? What if the results around the league had given Detroit the strength of schedule tiebreaker and the Packers picked third? What if the 1989 NFL draft had gone down differently? All right, so there you go. There's the backstory of the 1989 draft. Certainly a lot to talk about here. I guess, Matt, would you like me to begin and give you some of my ideas here? Yeah, go for it if you want to. Okay. I guess I'll begin with the obvious here, uh, kind of something that as a Packer fan, I'm a big fan of Packers history, I like to study it, especially I like to study the actual history of the team as it happened, such as newspaper clippings, things like that. Uh, the big argument that Packers fans have had over the years was the Barry Sanders one. Nobody ever really talked about Troy Aikman because that's not how it went down, but the one obviously that if everything else had been the same, could have been different, was the Packers 
drafting Barry Sanders. Well, I'm here to tell you now, Packer fans that are listening, don't lose any more sleep over the Packers not getting Barry Sanders because I went through and read about eight or nine articles from 1988 and 1989 from Packers general manager and vice president of football operations at the time, Tom Bratz. And nowhere is there any indication that the Packers even considered drafting Barry Sanders other than they went and watched him work out. And this is because they had just drafted Brent Fullwood with the fourth pick in the draft in 1987. He was from Auburn. He became a bust, of course. But he finished sixth in the Heisman voting in 1986. In his two years in the NFL, he'd been under two different offensive systems. They expected him to pick it up and be great. In fact, in 1989, he was a pro bowler, but he was kind of a head case. He asked out of a game because he was sick, and then later that night they found him dancing in a dance club, so they cut him, and then he never played the NFL again. So a really interesting career for Brett Fullwood actually was, from the limited uh, games that I have that feature Brent Fullwood, actually looked like a pretty good player, and it's kind of sad that uh, his career flamed out that way. But So I don't think the Packers would have drafted Barry Sanders. I think the main thing that I've been looking around was that they were set on drafting Troy Aikman to the point where they were already talking about how Troy Aikman would work within the system the week before they won that game against the Cardinals. So I think that my first scenario will be, let's say the Packers lose and they get Troy Aikman. Looking back on it, I think that does nothing to change the history of the Packers and actually just destroys uh, Troy Aikman's career. Troy Aikman is... A smart quarterback, he's a tough quarterback, but he's not the kind of quarterback that could have run the Lindy Infante offense. I went back and looked at Aikman's stats. He only threw over 500 passes once in his entire career. That was in 1997, and it was the lowest rated year of his career other than the last one and the first one. So of Aikman's prime, that was his worst year. It was the only time he ever threw over 500 passes. Infante's Packers averaged 559 pass attempts a year, which is almost 150 more than Troy Aikman's average per season. So I think Troy Aikman, with a bad offensive line, with a bad team, he would have been, not only would he have had the kind of success he had in the first year in Dallas, but that would have never gotten better. Uh, and, And just addressing the Barry Sanders issue real quick here, Let's say the Packers do, for whatever reason, decide Brent Fullwood's a bum. Let's pick up Barry Sanders. Lenny Infante's Packers had the fewest rushing attempts of any team in football while they were in Green Bay by a pretty comfortable margin. This was with Brent Fullwood, who they had just invested a fourth pick in the draft with, and they had drafted Daryl Thompson with the 19th pick in the 1990 draft, who had 3,700 rushing yards in college, which might not seem like a lot now, but that's in the 80s, so that's quite a lot of production. And he didn't use either of these guys. So Barry Sanders would have either not been Barry Sanders or he would have been flashes of brilliance and we would have got rid of him because we wouldn't think he was a necessity to our offense. I honestly think the best case scenario for the Packers' future is take Tony Mandrich, hit rock bottom, don't get one of these slightly better players with more impact on the offense to buoy your team enough that they make the playoffs in 89 or that they're slightly better in 1991 to the point where they decide to keep Lindy Infante for one more year. Let's say they give Lindy Infante one more year. Well, that means that Ron Wolf and Mike Holmgren and Brett Favre are all for other teams. And then who knows what happens after that. So I would say that's why for me, I would say what if the Packers didn't draft Tony Mandrich? Of all of these we're going to go through, this is the one that has the ultimate butterfly effect potential. Leave Mandrich alone. All right, yeah, I, I, I agree with most of what you said. It, 
it's one of my favorite parts about this segment is it's it's insane how one such small thing like a futile team winning a game and getting bumped back to the number two pick can have mm-hmm. such an effect on NFL history. Mm-hmm. I mean, if these two teams swap, you might not see not only would this affect the Packers, but Dallas doesn't get Troy Aikman. We might not see them win a Super Bowl in the '90s. Who knows? Yeah, um, wouldn't it be nice to think of them trying to play those Brett Favre, Reggie White teams with Steve Berline at quarterback? <laughs> yeah. So I I agree with what you said. I I think that even had we got if had we gotten the first overall pick, we would have taken Troy Aikman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't as much as I thought Troy Aikman was a great player. He's a Hall of Fame player. You're right. I he's more of the game managing type. He's not the sling it around type. He had a huge offensive line in Dallas. Uh, had, you know, statistically the best running back of all time. Mm-hmm. He's not that I'm trying to take anything away from Troy Aikman, but he's just not the kind of quarterback that would have really, I think, fit into this system. I mean, maybe we would have seen different had he been in it, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't seem like a fit. And in terms of taking the number two pick, uh, taking somebody different at the number two pick, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. It wouldn't have happened. We just took Brent Fullwood. Tony Mandrich was, you know, the lock up there. He was the sure thing other than any any of these other guys. Mm-hmm. He was the guy who was going to anchor the whole left side of the line for your team for years to come. I mean, maybe we could have seen, you know, looked into some of these issues a little more with him, but it's just, you know, it is what it is. And, and it's kind of funny how, you know, taking such a bad player one year can kind of end up working out so well for you in the long run. <laughs> yeah. We had the same issue last week where, you know, you might have been able to put yourself in a better situation at that time. Mm-hmm. But we're happy with how things turned out in the long run with how they, you know, worked out with these uh, bad things happening at that specific time instead. So last episode, we're, you know, cursing out the TV when we don't make the playoffs that year. But (laughs) now when we look back on it, we wouldn't trade it for anything. We wouldn't trade this Tony Mandridge pick, even though it was considered one of the biggest busts in NFL history, Mm -hmm. to have Troy Aikman or Barry Sanders. And we wouldn't trade it just because you might not win the Super Bowl title that you won and things we probably wouldn't have gotten Brett Favre or Mike Holmgren or Reggie White or Ron Wolf and and who knows know. what happens to the franchise if you take out that 90s run I mean they could be I don't even want to fathom what they are because there's really nothing to compare it to if they never would have come out of those post Lombardi doldrums I mean they would be going on 50 years of futility like worse than the Lions I mean the Lions at least I kind of was thinking about this last week. The Lions, if you weren't a fan of football in the 90s, they were kind of like the 90s versions of the Falcons, where every year they're in the playoffs, like with two weeks left, you're like, oh, looks like the Lions are going to make it again. Well, that's an automatic win for whoever plays them. But they're at least there, you know, that you don't make that overhaul change to get the new quarterback, to get the new coach, to get the new general manager. And that's one of the things that was interesting about researching this is the only other guys that I saw them legitimately talk about taking with that second pick was uh, Derek Thomas. And they, they mentioned Dion, but mainly the other one was going to be Derek Thomas was the one they were considering taking, which the thought of him and Tim Harris on the same team, which Tim Harris, I believe, in 1988 had like 18 sacks. The idea of him and Derek Thomas on opposite sides, or maybe on the same side, one playing down, one playing the Clay Matthews position, is interesting. But then again, their offense was so bad, it pretty much wouldn't have done anything, and they both would have left town disgruntled instead of just Tim Harris. Yeah, I mean, if everything would have worked out the same, plus Derek Thomas on the Packers team... You know, with Reggie White, with you know George Coons, Wayne Simmons, the guys that we had, Leroy Butler on the Super Bowl team, mm-hmm. 
that have been great, but you just you don't know, and we can't really you know can start to guess at what would have happened differently with him. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they would have felt comfortable enough to not go after Reggie White and give him that money because we probably would have already been paying Derek Thomas. And that's true. Um, that's a really good point. It, so I mean, it's impossible to, to kind of guess what would have happened had we had a guy like that. But mm-hmm. being able to add him onto that Super Bowl team's defense, we probably would have been one of the best defenses of all time. You know, maybe which they some, were anyways. Yeah, absolutely. But be able to substitute him out for Brian Williams or something like that on the outside, mm-hmm. or you know, Ron Ron Cox is that? The, yeah, he was the middle, other? but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so, yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely interesting. I don't think it dramatically changes anything. I honestly think throw Derek Thomas in there, Denver still probably wins that second Super Bowl. So I, I don't think there's a whole lot different. The one thing I will say that's incredibly interesting that I found while researching this is that Steve Walsh, they didn't let juniors in to the draft back then. So Steve Walsh was graduating in the summer, but there was some kind of discrepancy to where he couldn't be eligible for the, the regular draft in April. Of course, Steve Walsh being the quarterback of the Miami Hurricanes after Bernie Kosar, and after Vinny Testaverde, Steve Walsh actually came in the year after Vinny Testaverde won the Heisman, and they lost to Penn State in the national championship game. Steve Walsh actually won him the national title the next year, so he was a highly touted guy. And the Packers were fully intent on getting Mandrich, and then they were going to waste their first-round pick in 1990, which um, produced Tony Bennett, or I'm sorry, which produced Daryl Thompson. Oh, they, they had two that pick. I don't, I don't remember which one was first, either Daryl Thompson or, or uh, Tony Bennett. They were going to draft Steve Walsh in the supplemental draft, but it's kind of a random order in the top, and the Falcons got the first pick, then Dallas got the first pick, of course. Dallas' first-year head coach was Jimmy Johnson, who had just won a national championship with Steve Walsh, so he picked him, too. <laughs> There's an article in basically just lamenting the Cowboys for ruining the future of the Packers by taking the two locks for great quarterbacks in the NFL, obviously half right with that equation. So I guess that wraps it up for another edition of Packers What If. I really like these segments, and I really want more ideas. I have a ton of them in my own head and on my computer of different What If ideas, but I'd love to hear yours. So go to any of those channels, uh, greenandgoldpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us, green, gold, the number forever, write it on the Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. I want some more ideas from you for Packers What If, because I really enjoy this segment. Or, if you have an idea as to what might have happened in either one of the Packers What If segments we've discussed, please let us know that as well, and we'll read it on a future show.